Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Well, good morning. How is everybody? You doing good? Great. Great to be here with you this morning. Great to be with you in Bury St. Edmunds and in Colchester and online. Great to have you. And also for the prisons. I just wanted to say to those of you in prison, we are getting letters regularly from you. And it's great to have a letter. And it's great to know that you are listening, you are tuning in, you're hearing what's going on here at C3. So we give it up for those in prison who are going to be watching this. Yeah. Great to have you with us. You know, we are at 9 a.m. in the morning and 9 p.m. in the evening every Sunday in 70 prisons around the country now, which is just incredible. So we're joining us with the Isaiah 61 movement. Those of you who were here last week with John Kirk, we started and kicked off our series. Well, Isaiah 61 is not just a movement, but it's something, a passage of scripture that we have that is actually really dear to our hearts. Here at C3, this scripture has meant much to many of us over the years. We've shaped our C3 impact ministry around the verses from Isaiah 61. Even the song Restorer that many of you will know is from Isaiah 61 passage. So I thought I will read this passage to you quickly just to remind you what it says. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor. Amen? Amen. It's here, the sovereign Lord, his spirit has given us his spirit so that we can preach good news to the poor. What's the good news gonna do? It says, it sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives, to release from darkness those of the prisoners, sorry, freedom for captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Sue spoke about favor. Jesus was declaring when he spoke of these verses, that is a time of favor. God's favor is amongst you. And he said he will comfort all those who mourn and provide for all those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Instead of sorrow, there would be beauty that would come. The oil of joy instead of mourning. Um, A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And I love this where it says, what is going to become? It says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Oaks of righteousness. I don't know about you, but when you think of an oak tree, it's a strong, strong tree. It has so many branches that people can rest in. It brings a canopy that people can rest under. For those of you in Cambridge, you may be the one at King's College, there's a great big oak tree there. From a single, single acorn, this massive oak tree would grow. And these verses are saying that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us so that they will, he will raise, raise us up to a be people that will be like oaks of righteousness, will be planted by the Lord to bring favor, to bring rest, to bring shelter to those around us. What a beautiful passage, hey? You know, I think it would be great if we could pray right now because these verses are what we want to see outworking into the, this church. Lord God, I thank you for Isaiah 61. I thank you for this passage that you promise that your Holy Spirit will work through us and in us 
and with growers, Lord, into something that is strong. Lord, that you take us from something that is weak, that is broken, that has despair, and you're building us up into something that is grand, that has shelter and that gives shelter. Lord, I thank you that you're raising us up as a people. Pray your spirit will be free this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Did you know that 67% of Christians struggle sharing their faith? It says about proclaiming the good news. Isaiah 61 is all about proclamation and telling people the good news. But many of us as Christians struggle to do it. In fact, some statistics tell us that 43% don't have meaningful relationships with non-Christians. 41% feel unsure on difficult questions and unequipped to share their faith. And 25% feel scared of rejection or appearing different. Isaiah 61 movement is addressing some of these issues to see how we can share life with people. We can share our life and actually have some more meaningful relationships with non-Christians. That we can share our faith more confidently and then ultimately we can share Jesus. I wonder who spoke to you about faith? Who was it in your world, if you are a Christian here today, Turn to the person next to you and tell them who shared to you about faith. Online, have a little chat if you're own, on your own. Put it here in the chat online. Let us know who shared to you about faith. Hands up. And show us on the chat, hands up, those of you who it was family who shared faith with you the first time. Oh, many hands are in the room here in Cambridge. Remember you and Berry, hands up, and in Colchester, family. Hands up, how many of you it was friends that shared faith with you? Actually, less hands that are going up for friends. Many of us had family, they were the ones that shared about faith. When, we did, when I did this survey with our staff here at C3 Church, 99% of them said it was family that shared faith with them. That was the, it was the family situation. That's where they found out about Jesus, and they learned to have faith. I was actually within that 99%. I grew up in a household where faith was shared to some extent because my mother was a Christian. She declared her faith but it wasn't overt in any way. There was no Bible reading, there was no praying together, except maybe at the dinner table occasionally when my dad wasn't around and there were Christian visitors that were coming for lunch. Yeah? When the Christians gathered, then it was opportunity to say a prayer before you had your dinner. But my father and my mother had different of opinions on this. It was a bit of a divide. My father left religion to my mother, as he described it. That's your department. I won't get involved in that. But you know what? It really felt black and white in the household. The scripture says to us, do not be unequally yoked. And I can understand why. Because I grew up in a household that pulled in two different opposite directions. And when three of us of the four girls became Christians and professed progressed our faith, the divide got even bigger because there was a lot of faith in the household, but there was one who just always didn't feel 
quite part of the family. The scripture tells it for a reason. Do not be unequally yoked. Be yoked together so you can walk together in faith. My mom was never really allowed to follow her heart freely. There were areas that she really couldn't share with her husband. That divide was there. When I was about eight, I remember going to Sunday school. My sisters took me on the bus. We traveled to a little village next to us called Bromborough. I was about eight at the time, but they were 12 and 16. And at about age 10, I remember noticing a boy who was very noisy and very confident. And I reckon he always cheated in his Sunday school exams because his mum was the organizer and she often whispered to him when we were supposed to be quiet. Steve denies it, of course, that he ever cheated on the Bible school Sunday school exams, but I reckon he did. But I know from an early age that I was surrounded by people who loved the Bible. They loved God's word, and I grew to understand it a little bit more. And as I grew to understand it, I began to love it more and more. You know, recently I was talking to Caleb, my five-year-old grandson, and uh, it was World Book Day. And I said to him, what's your favorite book, Caleb? What are you going to take into school for World Book Day? And we was thinking about it, and I said, well, I guess you could take your Bible And he said, no, Nana, everybody's favorite book is the Bible. He wanted to be original. He wanted something else. It's a sad day, isn't it, when we come to realize that not everybody loves the Bible and not everybody cherishes it as much as maybe you do. It hit home at me when I was at school, but not only that, when I went to college and realizing that not everybody respects the Bible and loves the Bible. But I did find that new places and new beginnings is a place that was an opportunity to share faith, to actually stand for uh, what I believed in and actually show people around me that I had a faith. New situations like going to college or becoming a new mum or going to the school playground or going to a new job was always an opportunity for new beginnings, for new opportunities to share. I remember uh, living in a house with three non-Christians when I was at college. And at the end of the four years, after lots of conversations and lots of prayer and lots of discussions and lots of arguments in many ways as well, at the end of that four years, two of them became Christians at the end of that time, which was amazing. So it became three Christians and one non-Christian. It took a long journey of a process, but sharing life with them enabled them for them to see what my faith was all about. And then there was a lady opposite me who lived for a number of years with a small baby, and I got involved in helping her with a little baby and helping her to understand how to raise this little baby. And I remember sharing faith with her. And she started coming to Bible study and started coming to church in some way. It was an opportunity. She was in a place where she needed somebody to support her. And as I shared life, then I was able to share faith with her. Well, today, there's less connections for me. You know, it's, um, to be honest, you know, it's really has, I have got less connections. I'm in a Christian organization. I'm in the church There's not many of the staff that I need to talk about faith with in the sense of bringing them into faith of Jesus because we all have faith. We're all here as Christians in the staff team. And so I have less connections. And sometimes that happens to many of us. 
And the Isaiah 61 movement is to help us to lean into being more intentional about finding more people that we can share faith with by starting off by sharing our life, by actually being around people more, by actually being, uh, giving them opportunity to get to know us more. It's sad to think that in this day and age, there are so many lonely people. I remember reading something on, on uh, Sky News about a lady who she'd been two years in her flat. Two years, can you imagine it? In her flat, she died, and nobody had noticed for two years. And a lady, she was actually, I watched something on the news about it as well. A lady had walked past her door every single day and was wondering what was going on why they hadn't seen it. Two whole years. That's a sad reflection of society today. People are lonely. People do want connections. People do want friends. And you know, this app that we have, Isaiah 61 app, I'm not gonna go into details about it, but in your C3 group, you can go into more details about it. There is an app that you can download and set goals and help you to move in, to lean into connecting more with people around you and set a goal of how you can share life. You see, after all, Jesus shared life with people. Remember the woman at the well? He just asked for a drink, just asked and, and had, did everyday normal activities before he got into the conversation about who he was. The Bible encourages to have an attitude that our whole life is something that we want for God to use for us, for him. In Romans 12, I love these verses, it says, so here is what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embrace what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Two elements there I really love to draw out. An offering, that our lives would be an offering before God. So it doesn't become about me, but it comes, becomes about God, and it becomes about offering our lives to him, just our everyday, ordinary lives, giving that to him at the beginning of every single day. Steve and I have started saying to each other, we used to say it years ago, and we've kind of neglected it, and we start to say again, we were born for this day. We were born for this moment. And Steve says back to me, full benefit, full benefit of this day. That we could have this attitude that we was born for this workplace. I was born for this neighborhood. I was born for this friendship. God knew that I was going to be in this situation. God knew that I was going to be in this workplace. God knew I was going to be in this friendship. I was born for this moment. And God has a purpose in it. That we put, as we put it out as an offering for him, he will do incredible things with it. The other thing is the culture watch. Culture watch. It says, don't be so adjusted to your culture that you'll fit in without even thinking. I wonder whether we fit in so well, we adapt so much into the culture, even the work environment, that we don't stand out anymore. But the scripture is saying actually we should stand out, that we shouldn't be so adjusted into what's going on in the workplace or in the home or in the, the, the neighborhood. If it's a different culture, then we should stand out from that culture. Maybe it means don't get involved in the gossip that's going on in the workplace. 
whether it means being kind to somebody when you hear a spoken word that is not kind about them. A culture is often defined and um, strengthened by it being challenged. So when something is challenged, we're reinforcing a culture. I remember when our kids were growing up and we had some visitors. It's okay, it was nobody here, so it's all right. But their children were kind of climbing all over our furniture and messing everything up and being a bit disrespectful, I thought. And after they'd gone, I said to my kids, we don't do that in our house. If we go to somebody else's home, I want you to show some respect. We won't be doing the climbing over the furniture and throwing things around because we want to respect. That was defining a culture by correction. Sometimes a culture has to be redefined. It's only often when we get it wrong that we realize what we want the culture to be. What culture do we want to be living in? What culture do we want to set? Let's not go so close to the culture of today's society that we don't stand out as a witness because we want to be a witness for Jesus. We want to be a corporate witness as a church and we want to be personal witnesses for Jesus. A corporate witness. You see, with Steve and I's role, job titles, it's easy when we get introduced to people or we introduce ourselves to people, they say, what do you do? And straight away, we can talk about the church, we can talk about our faith, we can talk about what's going on. It's kind of almost easier in some ways because we have this job title. But in some ways, it's difficult because we have less people and opportunities to have those conversations and those relationships. But what we do have is an opportunity for a corporate witness here as a church. Remember Sign in the Sky? That was a corporate witness of C3. Now, if you need a lead-in in order to say to somebody what church you go to, did you see the sign in the sky? Did you see what was going on over Bury St. Edmunds and Colchester and Cambridge over Easter time? Did you see that sign? It's a corporate witness. We're saying here to our towns and cities that we believe in Jesus and we believe what he did for us was out of love. It's an opportunity when we have that corporate witness. All the newspapers took it up. Some of us think we're a bit crazy, but that's absolutely fine. We're crazy for Jesus. We heard one story about a lady who was telling one of our members of the church here, for, um, they, they lived nearby to the pilot who did the sign in the sky. And this lady knew this person was a pilot and said, oh, did you see that sign in the sky recently over Cambridge? And the guy said to her, yeah, that was me. I did that. I'm the pilot who actually did that. I said, well, what's all that about? And so he was able to share the gospel. As far as we know, he's not a Christian, but he's writing sign in the sky, cross equals heart for us, which is brilliant. Corporate witness for us, brilliant. We do so much here as a church that is a corporate witness. Remember those Good Friday family fun days? They were corporate witness. We are saying we are here in this city, in our towns. We are here for you. Another story, a team from Bury Sedmonds went into the Abbey Gardens and was looking for the C3 church to see what was going on. They were part of the team and they were going to join the team and get involved and help out. 
And they saw all these wonderful things going on. And they thought, oh, that looks quite fun over there. I wonder where C3 team are and started looking for them. And then caught this eye again and went over and said, this actually is C3. It looks so much fun. I didn't think it was part of us. But it was. It was part of C3. You know, so many different things that we do as a corporate witness here as a church. We've had St. Philip's School come in and they've had a, an assembly with 500 people being told about what happens in this place just before Easter. We have thousands of people that come to our fridge that is outside the church. We've had, we listen to this stat, 388,000, you ready for that? 388,000 meals delivered and given out in the last three years since COVID until the end of 22. 388,000. That is a corporate witness, and I could go on. But what about our personal witness as well? Our private witness, in a sense, our, friend, our witness to our friends. Matthew 7 encourages me. It says, here is a simple rule of thumb, a guide for behavior. Ask yourself what would you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. The NIV says, so in everything, do to others what you'd have them do to you. I'd love people to tell me about God. If they had something in their life that changed their world, that gave them hope, that gave them peace, and gave them direction, I would want somebody else to tell me about that. I'd want somebody else to be open enough to talk to me about their face. I'd do unto others what I'd want to do for me. If it was me in that situation, it was reverse. I'd want somebody to tell me. Would you not? You see, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be understood. Everybody wants to be known. Everybody. We all need to know that we're loved by friends, by family, and ultimately by God. The survey has been done recently and research has been done by Gary Chapman saying that there are certain languages that we all have called love languages and there's certain ways that we all want to be loved. I wonder whether if we find out what the way that we want to be loved, we'll actually be motivated enough to find out what other people need in order to feel loved. Many people, in fact, they reckon 40% of the population will, sh will respond if somebody shows care to them. If they're actually caring, then people will respond and connect and relate to them if you're showing care. 40%, that's a high proportion. But the love languages, if you've not heard of them, are five, lung la five love, lung love languages. And it may be showing care in many of these five different ways. It could be by your words, by encouraging them and saying what a great job they've done and how you believe in them and how you esteem them and you're, you're just encouraging who they are. Words of affirmation. Maybe it is that you tell them that you love them. Or it can be acts of service. You can do things for people and you can show them that you care by making a cup of tea or putting the washing out, or saying, I'm going to the shop, do you want me to pick anything up for you? Or helping to mow the lawn, or setting, giving them a meal when they've been sick, or going around with a bunch of flowers. The list is endless. Usually, 
it's done when you haven't had to ask for it. Any spouses here, if you have to ask three or four times for a gift, it kind of loses a sense of value, right? If you have to keep on saying, dishes need doing, dishes need doing, dishes need doing. Not that this could be anything that I could identify at all in my life, <laughs> but not being asked and serving and giving a gift in that way of an act can show love. Then gifts, it can be a physical gift. It can be a physical gift that you give to people, or it can be the gift of you yourself by giving quality time and actually giving attention to the person around you. Or it might be a hug, and it might be an encouragement. It might be physical touch that they need, a touch of the arm, a hug, a pat on the back, a physical touch. I thought it would be fun that maybe this week in your C3 groups that you could have a look what is your love language and discuss love languages to find how you can find out the people around you what love language they may have. Vanessa Van Edwards, she was one of our speakers at the GLS this last year. She said that people consistently underestimate how much others appreciate and unexpected. Then she gives me a list of four different things. People consistently underestimate how other, much others appreciate as unexpected. Which one do you think it will be? A compliment, a surprise, a gift, or a text from an old friend? What do people appreciate the most? A compliment, a surprise, a gift, or a text from an old friend? Give me a shout out. Text. Hey, you guys are on it. That was the one. Apparently, the people really, really appreciate a text from a friend that they haven't heard from for a while because somebody's thought about them, somebody's given them a gift of connection and contact. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you haven't contacted for a while. Maybe send them a text or send them a letter, if that's your style, and to let them know that you are thinking of them. You know, I mentioned my dad. It took a long time before my dad showed any signs of interest of faith. Many, many years. And it wasn't until right to the end of his life that he allowed us to pray with him. Over the years, I prayed for him for many, many years. But you know, some stories take, are a little bit quicker than that. And I know I'm a little out of time, but I am going to show a video right now of a story that's been happening here in C3. And over these next few weeks, we're going to show different stories how people have connected with their friends and walked them on the journey of sharing life, sharing faith, and sharing Jesus. Hello, my name is Megan, and this is my friend Laura. Um, we met when we went to sick form together when we were 16. We were yeah. sat in sociology classes together. Yeah. And I remember we also joined the choir together mm -hmm. and we went and performed at Ely Cathedral. And um, so there were a few different activities that we were kind of involved in together and just got to know each other really over that time um, in school. Mm -hmm. um, I remember that you so in our sociology class, we talked quite a lot about religion. Yep. 
And so everyone in the class knew that I was a Christian. <laughs> it was a very overt fact. Um, everyone was like, Megan is the Christian in the room. <laughs> yeah, so sometimes there'd be, oh, what do you think about that yeah. as a Christian? And I'd talk about like church and what my expression of church was. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that was kind of, it was always an open yeah. thing. I never had to, to reveal one day, yeah. oh, by the way, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I always knew that you were a Christian sort of yeah. from day dot it was sort of I mean when everyone turns to look at you in a classroom when you're being asked what's a Christian perspective on this um it's quite obvious. yeah it's, it makes it very <laughs> obvious um who's Christian and who's not there's been moments where um you've had difficulties and struggles yeah. and um you would often come back and be like mm -hmm. oh I'm interested in this again um yeah. and I'd share maybe bible verses or sometimes I remember songs because yeah. we'd met like through singing as well yeah. we both kind of had bonded over music and we go and yeah. watch shows together yeah. and stuff like that's something that we love <laughs> yeah. together so I remember sending you songs and you being like this is church yeah <laughs> like what I think I didn't quite understand what C3 really was like when you say church you think of a stone building with the little cushions you put your knees on singing hymns at Christmas mm. like in the the very old school version I suppose of church um and when you started telling me those songs, I was like, uh, are you sure you sent me the right thing? Like, is this really what you sing at church? You're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is, it. this is my normal. Um, and it was great. Yeah. It just felt like uh, a really supportive sort of environment to be in. And the songs kind of sort of emphasize that. Mm. You never really made it difficult to say, can I come to church? Mm. You were always very open about, you know, it's, it's an open door policy. You don't have to, it's not a club that you need like a secret password for. Um, and yeah, you just made it really easy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, um, so there's been like, as I've said, many moments of sharing and mm. introducing you and kind of bit by bit. Yeah. And um, But I remember one time in lockdown when <laughs> we FaceTimed and you said to me, I've decided to start reading the Bible. I've, I've started in Genesis and I'm going to go all the way through to the end. And I was like, amazing. That's so cool. <laughs> but that's like quite, quite, quite crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I've realised that now. <laughs> what would you say was the moment that kind of, was there one moment? I guess we've talked about many moments, but was there a moment where you were like, right, I'm, I'm going to be serious about this. I'm mm -hmm. going to work out who this Jesus is for me. I think... So the little tricklings I had throughout the years um, kind of cracked that door open for mm. me. And then I had a period of time where I'm a planner. And when the plan didn't go to plan and everything felt like it crumbled, this mm. was where I felt drawn to. Yeah. Um, I had spent six months unemployed trying to find work amongst a whole host of other personal things that were going on. Um, and I hadn't succeeded in anything. And this was where I felt I needed to come to feel a little bit safer, to feel a little bit more in community, to feel a little bit more protected mm. um, because I didn't feel any of those things. I mm. felt so incredibly alone in those six months. Life pushed me to an edge without Jesus. And when I hit my version of rock bottom, it was him that pulled me out. And then when I started coming, I joined YA. 
I was coming every Sunday, I was meeting people, I found community mm -hmm. that I never really had in Cambridge. Mm -hmm. You know, my schools were, other than Hills Road, were all outside of Cambridge. So I didn't have community here mm -hmm. at that point. He's teaching me a lot and he's guiding me a lot. And when I know I need him, he gives me that feeling of, okay, this is the direction you need to go in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he's, he's uh, something. <laughs> um, yeah. He's good. He's very good. Mm. Yeah, he does what yeah. needs to be done. I feel like there's still we we still have these conversations where we're like, oh, I'm not sure about that, or you know, we we because we have that relationship and that foundation built, we can continue to explore on the journey of life because I don't have it perfect. Yeah, you don't have it perfect, yeah. so we're doing it together, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, proud of you. Oh, Love, you. Love you. Love <laughs> you. I love that phrase, I don't have it perfect, you don't have it perfect, we're doing this together. Can we stand? I would love to pray that God will give us the boldness to step out from our comfort zones, to make new connections, new friendships, maybe new intentionality, maybe going to a regular place, like whether it's the gym or whether it's for a walk that's regular, you'll meet the same people that Maybe it's joining a class to meet some other friends. Maybe it's something new that you need to do. Or maybe it's just praying and asking God to bring somebody into your life. We've been praying, Steve and I, recently about people in our world. We've been involved, as many of you know, with the chaplain for the mayor here in Cambridge, and it's been a privilege, and Mark's done a fantastic job allowing the city to know more about C3. Well, we've got to know people through that, which has been a real privilege. And now recently, a lady walked into our congregation who we hadn't seen for 20 years. She knew us because we knocked over a cup of tea in McDonald's and she mopped it up. And during that conversation, when she was looking after us, we invited her to see three. She came for a long while, to came here, or where we used to meet. And we hadn't seen her, she stopped coming, we hadn't seen her for 20 years. And she's walked back into our life. And we're able to pray with her. We're, praying, we're able to encourage her. She's got terminal cancer and she wanted to see us again and say, you were the kindest people when I first came to this country. People remember the kindness hearts of those who know Jesus, who have a heart for others to know him still as well. Let's pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are ultimately the hope for this world. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us hope and that you've given us peace. You've given us direction, Lord, that you are growing us into those oaks of, oaks of righteousness. And Lord God, I pray that you will give boldness, you will give courage, Lord, that you'll give us an opportunity, Lord, that our lives will be like that offering before you that this week, Lord, something new will happen. Lord, that you'll take away any fear and that we'll walk in faith of you, knowing, Lord God, that you are with us, that you are working through us, that you're working in everybody, single, every single life that we come in contact. You know them intimately, Lord God. I pray for your boldness by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's ring, with the, finish with this song. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.